welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Today's Bible reading is from Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you, if you greet only your own people, what are, you gonna, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. Well, what a different a week difference a week makes. I don't know about you, but last week we were sitting in the dark at home around about this time. Uh, the storm had come through our valley and taken a whole lot of trees and a whole lot of power lines. And so we were sitting in the dark. We couldn't get out of our street to come to church and we didn't have the ability to text anybody or ring anybody because the phone towers were out to say, can you pick us up at the end of our street? So we were stuck at home. Now, I suspect that there were all sorts of stories similar to that uh, in this room and in this community, uh, familiar stories. And I was thinking in all of that, in the dark, wondering what we're going to do with our freezer and all of those things. I was thinking there are people throughout uh, Australia and further afield who are going through these sorts of things at, that, at this time. So we know that uh, the Riverland people are wondering what's going to happen to them. We know that in New South Wales there's flooding. I was thinking about the people in Pakistan and further afield where things have happened that have changed their life and made it more difficult. And for us, we knew that it was something that had happened. A storm had come through and we knew that in time it would settle and it has settled. But I was thinking about those people for whom... It hasn't settled and it wasn't a thing that did it. Maybe a person or a group of people has made life difficult, have turned the power off, have um, yeah, destroyed the suburb, have all these sorts of things. And how different is it? How, how would my attitude be if it wasn't a thing, if it was a someone? And in amongst all of this, I was preparing for this sermon, for love your enemies and reading Jesus' words. You have heard it said that you should love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemy. Big words. In 2019, I found myself in Israel and Palestine for a week. What an extraordinary place. Thousands of years of history. Generation after generation of people in that place with strong connection to that relatively small patch of land next to the Mediterranean Sea, some of which looks a little bit like this. And because, some of, that strong, because of that strong sense of connection, Israel has long been a place of unrest. The Palestinian people and the Jewish people are both so connected to that place. The story of the land is interwoven into everything, into faith, into history, into their culture, into their language, into their livelihood, into their identity, their whole sense of who they are 
And because of the way history has played out over centuries, it's become extremely difficult for these two peoples to live in peace together in that same place. The map of Israel and Palestine has, in the last century or so has been carved into different territories. The principle being that if the two peoples largely live separately in different jurisdictions, it might be more peaceful. But it doesn't always work that way. And a few weeks before I arrived in May uh, of 2019, in Israel, 600 rockets were fired from Gaza into the Jewish territory. There are frequent reports of violence on both sides. It's incredibly hard to live together when there is so much history of hurt. And for this reason, features of life there in Israel and Palestine look a bit different to our features of life. For example, their playgrounds look a little bit different. This is a photo of a, t- a playground in a, a town called Sterot in Israel, Israeli territory, a few kilometres from the border of Gaza. And this tunnel, which is a place you can play in the playground, it also doubles as a bomb shelter. So I'll give you a minute to think about, a moment, to think about what it will be like when your playgrounds have to double as bomb shelters. Many Jewish people don't personally know any Palestinians and many Palestinians don't personally know any Jewish people. But they know that this is what their playgrounds look like. Their only impressions are what they hear on the news and what they experience at the checkpoint to get from one territory to the other, which is not always a great experience. They don't know faces and stories. They just know fear and hate. And in the context of all of that, something new is beginning to take place. This, there's a photo of two men. This is Shadi Abu Awad on the left and Rabbi Hanan Schlesinger on the right. Now Abu Awad's brother was shot in the leg by an Israeli soldier, something that happens a bit in that place. And when Abu Awad visited his brother in the hospital... He totally ignored the female Israeli doctor caring for his brother. And his brother, who was being cared for, was shocked at his rudeness. And he said, you can't say say hi to the woman who saved my life. And when Abu Awad returned home, he was angry and disorientated and confused because he despised Israelis, but how could he extend that hatred to the woman who had helped his family? It just did his head in, trying to sift this thing through. And as time passed and he worked it through, his animosity began to dissipate because of the encounter with that woman who had cared for his brother and also because of his brother's challenge to him. And the result was that he began to visit peace camps. He befriended some Israelis and he came to a realisation. We are killing each other because we are afraid of each other. What's controlling this conflict is fear. Quite separately, Rabbi Schlesinger, the man on the right who lived in the West Bank, where there is a mixture of Israeli and Palestinian people, um, they began to, he began to think to himself, how could it be that I have lived my entire life in an area where there are probably nine Palestinians for every Israeli, and for 33 years I have never really even met one Palestinian? And he began to think about that and what that meant. And eventually these two men met... And they began to work together. 
because of the work of these two and many others, in an organisation was created in 2014 called Roots, based just south of Jerusalem in the West Bank. And in this place, peace is breaking out one relationship at a time. The organisation is really in some ways doing something quite simple. It finds different ways for people to get together to do things side by side. Israeli and Palestinian women, for example, meet together for photography classes. They don't always have a common language, but as they get together to learn this new skill, they find that as they look through the lens together, there are many things they don't see so differently. There are many things that they both find joy and beauty in. They are discovering their common humanity. There are also camps and activities and photography classes for teenagers and young adults. And you can see here that people have made a banner in three languages. We refuse to be enemies. Roots works on the principle that it's easy to hate someone you've never met, you don't know and you don't understand. But when you are friends, something new can happen. Peace is being built one relationship at a time. And there are, there are people in opposition to this because this is not the way that we've always done it. But something beautiful is taking place, the seed of something beautiful at a grassroots level. A wise poet called Rumi once said, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. And this is what is happening through the work of Roots and the people affected by it. If you want to find out more about Roots, there's a website, Friends of Roots, and you can see what, what work's going on there and there are different ways of supporting their work if you're interested in doing that. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You shall love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why on earth did Jesus say such a hard thing as that? Don't we have the right to hate our enemies? Isn't it fair enough that if someone does us wrong, we can hold on to it, hold it against them, or at the very least cut off all ties so that we don't ever have to be hurt again? Isn't it perfectly sensible that if someone hurts us, we would want to hurt them back to make it fair or so that they know how much they hurt us? Even in scripture, it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. These things are perfectly understandable. They are the ways in which human beings have behaved since the beginning of time. It almost seems part of our DNA. But is it working? Does it lead to a better future for any of us? And is it the way of God? The scholar N.T. Wright tells us that Jesus offers a new sort of justice. The old justice was designed to prevent revenge running away with itself and getting out of hand. Better an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth than an escalating feud that just keeps going on and on. But Jesus goes one better. 
no vengeance at all. A creative way forward. A different way to be human. Many of you may recognise the photo that's about to go up of Martin Luther King Jr., who was a pastor and peace activist and a key leader in the civil rights movement in the 1950s and the 1960s until he was assassinated in 1968. But his work still goes on because he's a name well known to many of us. Given his public profile amid those movements at that time, he must have had plenty of experience of racism and hatred and fear. But he was a respected leader because amongst all of that, he still dared to cast a vision of a different way of being human, the way of being human that Jesus talked about. Here are some of these words, though my delivery won't be the same as his, but you can Google his sermons. It's well worth doing. He said, Love has within it the only creative, redemptive power in the universe. At the very root of love is the power of redemption, the power that eventually transforms people. That's why Jesus says, love your enemies, because if you hate your enemies, you have no way to redeem and transform your enemies. There is something about love that builds up, he says. There is something about hate that tears down and is destructive. He says it's significant that Jesus does not say, like your enemy, There are a lot of people I find difficult to like, he said. I don't like what they do to me. I don't like what they say about me and other people. I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing. I don't like them. But Jesus said, love them. And love is greater than like. Love is greater than like. We must understand, he said, that the negative deed of the enemy does not represent all that the individual is. His evil deed does not represent his whole being. And I think this is where most of us struggle. We find it hard to separate someone's evil deed from their whole being. But God doesn't seem to have trouble with that. God doesn't seem to have trouble separating who we are are from what we do at all. God loves us whatever we do. And in our scripture today, we're invited, since we are children of God, to be and behave like our Father God does. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we read in the Sermon on the Mount, so you may be children of your Father in heaven, so that we can be recognisable as part of this family of God. Be, there, be perfect, therefore, we read, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, most of us don't have enemies like Hanan and Abu Awad and Martin Luther King Jr. had enemies, though perhaps some of us do or have had in the past. For most of us, working out who our enemies are and living out the command of Jesus to love them may be a whole lot more subtle for us. For us, it's more likely to look like being undermined or intentionally ignored by someone at school or a colleague maybe being bullied at school or at work. Maybe for us things are tense and hurtful over our family inheritance, which is an international problem. Maybe the boss has made an unjust decision. Maybe there's a neighbour in your street that's making life hard for you. Maybe you've been ripped off or betrayed by someone. And these things make life genuinely challenging for us. When you have a genuine right to be angry and you absolutely want to hurt somebody back, 
Jesus says, the question is not how to hurt back or take revenge. The question is actually, who are you? And whose child are you? Not what do you feel like doing, but who do you actually want to be in this? No matter how unreasonable or hurtful the other person is being, who do you want to be? Because whatever they do, they have no power to make you into someone you don't want to be. Who do you want to be? Martin Luther King once preached, put us in jail and we will go in with humble smiles on our faces, still loving you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children and we will still love you. Challenging words. Now I want to be clear that I'm not saying that justice should not be done. I'm not saying that bullying and harassment procedures shouldn't be followed. Of course they should. I'm not saying that domestic violence is ever okay or that you need to stay if you're unsafe. I'm not saying those things at all. But even amongst those things, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So what is it to love? To love is to want the best for someone or at the very least not to wish harm and destruction on someone. At its best, it's to want shalom for someone, which is peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. It's, it's to want that people would be in a spacious place. It's to want to set them free. When we're angry, it's not so easy to want these things for someone. Our tendency is to want to cling on to the just, injustice. It's hard to want to let go of our grip on our justifiable anger. But the irony is, is that we, if we relax our grip and set the other person free, it also sets us free, gives us space in our hands to hold on to other things, good things, things that are good for us. Paul tells in, in Romans 12, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not our job. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Just before, we sang a song called Make Room and we sang to God, I will make room for you to do what you want to do. When we let go of our grip on our justifiable anger, our justifiable hurt, our justifiable fear and make room, it creates space. Space to let God do a new thing in you, in your enemy and in our world. And when we do this, when we behave differently from the way we naturally want to, from the way people naturally expect, people notice something is strange. They wonder what's going on. They wonder why the normal rules aren't applying and wonder what the new rules are and where they come from. We live in interesting and polarising times, times of political tension, international tension, and a time of rebuilding even within our own denomination. 
We live in times when the media picks up on disagreement and conflict and seems to love to escalate it. We live in a time when our easy and instant access to social media and emailing means we can fire off a comment to someone without really taking the time to calm down and think it through before we've done it. It feels easier than ever before to be misunderstood and to misunderstand, to be seen as the opposition, to think of people as us and them. And into this context, Jesus speaks to us these words of peace. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Whatever situation you find yourself in, what would it mean to reflect God's generous love despite the pressure and provocation despite your own anger and frustration. A few decades ago, decades ago, when I was a school teacher, there was a boy in my class who drove me to distraction. Some of the teachers, or possibly even some of the students in the room might identify with this. I would plan all kinds of fun activities to engage students in learning, and he would thumb his nose at all of them. It really seemed that he thought learning and being part of the group was beneath him. And I tried all kinds of things. I wanted him to feel part of the group, but he wasn't that interested. I tried being kind. I tried jollying him along. I tried taking him aside and asking if there was anything going on that he wanted to talk about. I tried putting consequences in place for his negativity. And it didn't matter what I did, He seemed determined to undermine me at every turn. And in the end, at my wit's end, and perhaps I should have tried this earlier, I decided to pray for him. Not publicly, obviously, just silently. Whenever I found myself annoyed with him, I started to silently and secretly pray for him. Well, there was no dramatic change in his behaviour. I'm not sure that it changed him or what was happening for him, or what he was doing at all. But praying for him, praying for his well-being, began to change me. The strangest thing happened. A new love for him began to grow inside me. I started not to want to change him, but to want the best for him. And after that, I became less annoyed with him. I don't know if he noticed the difference, but I certainly did. And every now and then, still decades later, I wonder where he is and hope that he is doing well. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When we love, we don't need to control the outcome. When we love, we loosen our grip. We make room. We give God space to do God's creative, redemptive work. In a few moments, we're going to sing a song called The Blessing, which you probably know because we sang this, week's, uh, this song two weeks ago when Steph Ty preached to us on the theme of blessing. If you didn't hear that sermon, it's really well worth um, looking it up online. It's really worth, worth, well worth a listen. And if you did hear it, you'll remember that Steph spoke about God blessing us. Even when things aren't going fabulously well, that doesn't mean that we aren't blessed. God's way is all about blessing. God just loves to bless. But our scripture today takes that idea one 
shocking step further. God doesn't just want to bless us. God loves to bless our enemies. He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Hear the shocking news that our enemies aren't God's enemies. God flatly refuses to have enemies, which is actually great news for us because maybe to someone else, we are the enemy. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, to us, the message of reconciliation. One writer, Jeff Broughton, puts it this way. At the heart of the cross is Christ's stance of not letting the other remain an enemy and of creating space in himself for the offender to come in. When we pray for or bless our enemies, we follow the way of Christ. When we pray for or bless our enemies, we remember that we are each created in the image of God. Nothing that we can do, even the most hurtful act, can erase that fact. And if someone is behaving badly, almost always there is a story behind their behaviour that has made them choose that path. God knows their story far better than we do. God knows their path to healing. God knows what particular blessing they need. So back to the song. As we sing this song, which will go on for a while, I invite you to be aware of the words of this blessing for yourself. Some of you maybe are licking your wounds because people have been hurtful to you. So be aware of the blessing for yourself. And then maybe be aware of the people around you and sing that blessing to them and to the community beyond this wall, these walls. And then if you are brave enough, I invite you to bring to mind someone who feels like an enemy to you at the moment, someone who's hurt you, someone it's hard to forgive. I'm not saying you have to forgive them today. I'm not saying it's time for you to move on. I'm not saying you need to let them off the hook. You don't, I'm not saying you have to like them. But I invite you, in, as you sing this song, to invite God into that situation. And if you are brave enough to bring them to mind as you sing this song, to be reminded of God's love for you and for them. And in doing so, you will be making some room, making space between you and the other person, making space for God in the situation, making space for God in all of that. I recognise that this might be hard for some people and you might not be ready to do it today. And I'm just letting you know there are a few boxes of tissues down the front if you need reinforcements. God wants to bless all of creation, including the people we find it hard to love. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. As we sing this song, let us trust God to meet us there.
Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.